Welcome to this Edge Church podcast. We are a people whose mission is to know Christ, be the church, and serve our community. We pray you are blessed and equipped by this message. This morning, I want to invite you into my thoughts, and I want to look at something about living with innocence. The greatest problem in my life has been knowing too much. It's been knowing too much. My profession pushes me into knowledge and life pushes into knowledge and we get no too much. I want to talk about living with innocence. That would be the title if it was coming up on the screen. And I, I just want you to look at the Webster Dictionary. Follow me with some of these thoughts in the Webster Dictionary. And here's what they are. If we got those, uh, they told me they would be very good at this. And so, uh, what's wrong now? Oh, yes. I do. <laughs> you see how Irish I am. You see, the problem is I'm keeping looking to the right and the left instead of straight ahead. Innocence, freedom from guilt or sin through being acquainted with evil. Blamelessness, lack of knowledge, freedom from guile or cunning, simplicity, the lack of worldly experience or sophistication, chastity. Do you know that there is incredible freedom in not knowing? Because of the garden, we have an insatiable need to know. And we have thousands of questions. And there's no answers to so many of them, but we would like them because we want to know. I want to know. I need to know. And that's why I love the Apostle Paul. He says, I don't want to know anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. If that was all the knowledge in the world that we gained, what knowledge that would be. But we accumulate so many things and we get so many things and we get weighed down with so many things. Do you know the Bible says in the Gospel of Luke 21, that horrific chapter about the end times, and it talks about don't get caught up in drunkenness and drown and so on and so on. And they said, and don't get weighed down. It's so easy to get weighed down. And sometimes you get weighed down by excessive knowledge. Things that we think we should know, we need to know, and we get weighed down by it and we become involved in the cares of the world and everything else. Even prayer itself is simply a willingness to say, I don't know. I just don't know. When I come before the Lord, I used to have so many lists, but I don't know. I just simply don't know. I think I should know, but I don't know. And that's how simple it is. 
So my prayer life is very, very limited. And so these days I pray less than I've ever prayed. Oh dear. You're going to be talking to us. No. Eli taught Samuel a wonderful lesson. He said, why didn't you just go and lie down? And if you hear the voice again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Do you know that so much of my prayer life has been, your servant is speaking, Lord, so would you listen? <laughs> Could you just please listen? And, and then you run all that stuff out. I don't do that anymore. I just need, I don't need to know anymore. I just want to hang out with God. I just want to hang out in his presence. I just want to receive from him and hear what he is saying to me. Amen. Listening is so vital. I guess that the clue is that that's why we have got two ears and one mouth. You listen twice as much as you talk. Because we can talk so much and we get into prayer and we think we've had a great prayer time. A great, a great prayer time for me is not talking at all. A great prayer time to me is just hanging out and listening. What is it that God wants to say? What does he want to say to me this morning? You know, uh, my, uh, my eldest boy, when he was little and I used to be traveling and come backwards and forwards and he was only little and he couldn't speak very much at all. And, 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 and he would run out to my wagon and, and he would throw his arms around my legs and he would just hang on to my legs and he would look up at me and he would say, Daddy, 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 Daddy. Oh, I felt like a million dollars. It was beautiful. The innocence of children. And then he got older and older and then he would run out and see me. What did you bring me? What did you bring me? What did you bring me? Suddenly the daddy-daddy changed me. What did you bring me? That's our problem with knowledge. Innocently first, and then suddenly we realize, oh, well, God's supposed to do this, and God promised this, and God said this. And now, instead of daddy-daddy-daddy anymore, it's what did you bring me? What have you got for me? What are you doing for me? Why don't you do this? Why am I not healed? Why is the answer not there? Why does this take place in life? And before I know it, I've got all the questions and believe that God is some Santa Claus in the sky that's supposed to deliver to me because I have used some agency of faith. My agency of faith is that I might just connect with him. And I'm not as young as I used to be, which you have identified. And God is still saying, just, what about just grabbing me around the legs and saying, Daddy, Daddy? What about just hanging on to me and stop asking for something? Because I've already told you, if you just seek me first, the whole kingdom would be added to you, but you seem to be getting it back to front. Shut up. Be quiet. The Bible says that Enoch, seventh from Adam, walked with God, and he was not. God is not looking for a lot of wases. He's looking for a lot of was-nots. The closer you walk with God, the greater the was not you are. 
He's not looking for my information. He's not looking for my knowledge. He's not looking for what I can present to him. He's not looking for any of that. He's just looking for me to be with him. And God wants us to become was not. Do you see, I'm Irish so I can handle that kind of simplicity. It has to be simpler, I wouldn't understand it. Put two thoughts together and I'm confused. But we went to the tree of knowledge, didn't we? And then God comes and they eat of the tree and then what did they do when they ate from the tree? They hid themselves and God comes along and he says, well, where are you? And Adam says, well, I was naked and I was ashamed and I hid myself. And God said, where did you get your information from? Because I certainly didn't tell you. Do you know one of the things in working with people and one of the hardest things is for us to be able to, when we have blown it, when we have fallen out with God, when we have got ourselves in a mess, when we have got into strife, when things have happened to us, do you know that it's really hard to come before God and just stand there and be naked? Just to be totally naked before God and to be totally unashamed to God, but that I can come and I can come as I am and I can come the way that I am and I don't need to go away hiding. The first thing the enemy wants us to do, the moment we mess up, the moment things go wrong, he tries to get us diverted away and don't go to God, stay away from him. He's too holy, he's too righteous, he won't be with you and he won't accept you. I wanna tell you this morning, it don't matter where you are, where you've been, what you've done, I tell you this morning, you can come. You can come, amen, you can come. He is there waiting for us to come, praise God. Regardless, I have made a lot of mistakes in my life, I know you probably didn't believe that, but I have made a lot of mistakes in my life but I'm not God's mistake, I'm God's choice, amen. That he has brought me in and he has just loved on me. May well be that we could feel ashamed and guilty, unworthy, naked before God, but he said, just come. Do you know, in that feast, the great feast, the great day of the great feast, they spent a week in a conference like any conference, the politics, the laws of Moses, the order of services. They had all the different factions at the great feast. They had all the things in line. They had all the laws in line. Could you imagine Jesus sitting in that conference and listening to all the past and all the rules and all the laws and all the factions they had and everything that they would talk about in that week. And in the very last in the very last day of that great feast, Jesus gets up and he wipes across everything that they had talked about. He wipes across the law of Moses. He wipes across every particular law and rules and every order that they had and he wipes across it and he stands up and he says, are you thirsty? That's it. That's all I need. That's the only requirement I need. That's all you need. You don't need these rules and you don't need these laws and you don't have to be a certain way and you don't have to be anything or anything at all. Are you thirsty? Brothers and sisters this morning in this meeting to coming to Jesus and into this service, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? 
We just come with hang-ups. We come with all kinds of things in our minds. We come with all things that happen in our homes and everything else. And you come into the meeting, and how can I best approach the service? And how best can I get into the service? And how best can I be part of the service? And how do I do this? And oh, no, 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 no. Are you thirsty? Are you just thirsty? You see, he wipes everything out, and all you need to be is thirsty. Are you thirsty for Jesus? Are you thirsty for the drink of living waters today? You see how Jesus simplifies everything, and he wasn't Irish. The reason that he wasn't born in Ireland is because they couldn't find three wise men. I get thirsty. Blessed, blessed, blessed are they that are hungry. I just got to be thirsty and hungry. You know, when I come into the presence of God, it's not because of anything I've learned and the great experience I've had and the ministry that's gone before and everything else. I come in as a human being and I sit down. Give me a big drink. I'm thirsty. Thirsty for the springs of living water. Hungry for Jesus. Oh, how much knowledge we gain by eating from that stupid tree. It really, it truly is. Are you thirsty? I don't know if you ever heard, I don't know if you've ever seen this skit. I absolutely love this skit. You get, I think you can find it on YouTube. Uh, but the, the, the one on the middle cross, you know, the man on the middle cross. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not, but this, uh, the, the thief on the cross that Jesus said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the thief appears in heaven. And when he appears in heaven, an angel meets him uh, for admission into heaven. And he says, what, what are you doing here? He says, I don't know. He said, well, what church did you go to? Well, none. What is a church? Do you know justification by faith? No. Have you understood the four spiritual laws? No. He says, well, I don't know how you're here. He said, I have to go and get me a supervisor. And he goes and gets his supervisor and brings the supervisor so the archangel comes and says, we need a better explanation for why you're in heaven. There has to be a real reason why you're in heaven. Well, you doctrinally sound. Did you understand what you were supposed to do? Did you live a holy life? Did you please Jesus? Did you do everything that you knew? He says, I don't know. I don't know. And after some frustration, the archangel says, well, well, what are you doing here? And the thief looks at him and he said, because the man in the middle cross said I could come. The man in the middle cross said I could come. This morning, no matter what, in this service, you and I are only here because the man in the middle cross said, he can come. Come on to me, all ye that are weary. 
just, it's all about coming. It's not about dressing up and cleaning yourself up and getting better and regretting your mistakes and your failures and everything else. It's just, oh, come. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad this morning that I can join with you and together we just come. Not for a particular service, not for the particular music, not for a particular speaker. We're just thirsty and hungry, and we desperately need Jesus. And he just said, there's no requirements to come. Just come. Oh, hallelujah. The Christian life is so simple. It's so easy. Amen. No matter where, what station in life it is, you can come. Oh, we better read a scripture because I better sound spiritual. Now, can, can we put a scripture on? I'll look the right way. Well, I'm still looking. Yes. Let me read with you. This is a beautiful verse. While you diligently rehearse the exact qualities of every divine attribute within you, the volume will rise with increasing gusto, guarding you from being ineffective and barn in the knowledge of Christ's life, displayed with such authority and eloquence in Jesus. If anyone feels that these things are absent in their life, they are not. Spiritual blindness and short-sightedness would only veil them from us. This happens when one loses sight of their innocence. The moment that we forget the tremendous consequences of the fact that we are cleansed from our past sins, one seems to become preoccupied again with the immediate sensual horizon, which is what short-sightedness is all about, and that makes one blind to his blessings. Spiritual realities suddenly seem vague and distant. Practice your innocence. Practice your innocence. I was in a, um, one of those revival meetings, you know, uh, the Rodney Howard Bryan meeting, many of you may not know about that, but there was about 12,000 or more uh, pastors and leaders and so on, and the movement. And I went there, and I went there because I was paid, and the, 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 the people said, we'd love you to go to that because we'd like you to see that and go there and so on. So they paid me. And so I was going on to do a seminar farther on up uh, on the other side of the country. And when I got in, I couldn't understand what was going on. It was just off the Richter scale. I mean, the people were on turbocharge. It was screaming and yelling and all kinds of noises, and it was completely against everything theologically that I knew to be order. And then I'm looking, and there's a lady falls over. She's an elderly lady, and she falls over in this concrete. So I looked down. And I thought, that's ridiculous. That lady's lying on this cold concrete. Nobody's bothering with her. Nobody's touching her. Nobody's coming near her. This is wrong, wrong, wrong. I was right in the garden, back to the garden. I knew, absolutely. Because you, you can't judge unless you know. And so now I'm judging her because I think I know. And in the din, I mean, we're talking about din. In the din of it, God speaks to me. Do you know that a, God's silent voice is more powerful than the sound of many waters? It is more powerful than any noise. 
in the noise of your life, in the noise of your pain, in the noise of your heartache, in the noise of what's going on, God's voice can be clearer than any noise. Just listening to the sweet whispers of Jesus. And God spoke to me and he said, so the church paid you to criticize. So I said, no. Well, what do you say to God? So I repented. But then I wasn't finished. I said, Father, you need to speak to Rodney Howard Brown and tell him to bring some order in this place. It's out of bounds, it's out of scriptures and everything else. And God spoke to me again. And he said, it's none of your business. Go back to your days of innocence. Go back to your days of innocence. I did not need to know what that meant. I was a young teenager out of a very abusive home life. And I had been on my way to a soccer match. The Holy Spirit got hold of my life in the most powerful way. I had a vision, not knowing anything at that stage, and I had a vision of the cross. I'd never known what love was really like. I probably was being loved in ways that I didn't understand, but I didn't know. And I just started to cry and cry and cry and cry because some, somebody for the first time in my life, somebody loved me. Somebody just loved me. I don't know anything like that. Do you know, in my days of innocence, I was in an old farm loft way up, no heating, no electricity, just in an old farm loft. And I was soaked. I, I didn't need somebody to tell me to pray. I didn't need lectures on how to do a Bible study. I didn't need lectures on anything about going to church. Nobody told me any of it. I fell so in love with Jesus. I just wanted to be in the presence of God. I just wanted to be with the Lord. I just soaked myself like Jeremiah who says, I ate the word and I just enjoyed it. I went and found church and I got into church and I got into church life because I wanted to be with the people of God. Nobody told me to do anything, but in my days of innocence, I wanted to do everything because I was hungry and I was thirsty and I just wanted him. Here I go, way down my life. And now God's saying, go back to your days of innocence. In my days of innocence, when I knew the least, I experienced the most. When I knew the least, I experienced the most. That's a tragedy, but it's true. And he says, what about going back and practice your innocence? Amen. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Now, I'm not saying that God puts a premium on ignorance, but I'm talking about innocence. We come in this morning, and if only God, and this is not a very nice word, but let me use it anyway, let God just brainwash me and take out the rubbish and the junk and the questions and the knowledge that I gain from eating from the tree and just find 
the knowledge that comes from the Holy Spirit and just allow the Holy Spirit to wash my mind. I don't need questions. See, back then, I didn't have any, uh, I, I didn't have any qu questions because I didn't need any answers. I didn't need any solutions because I had no problems. We, when we pray, we pray, and I got a problem, so I expect a solution. I have questions, so I want to have an answer. No, I don't. But that's how we are. I don't need any of that. He is the answer. Back then, I didn't have any questions. I didn't need any answers because he was the answer. For us this morning is driving ourselves into Jesus and he speaks to us, stay innocent. Please stay innocent. Young men, young ministry, young people coming up, don't lose your innocence. Stay in your innocence. And he is the answer. And that is all I need, that he is the answer. Amen. David says, keep me from stupid and presumptuous sins, thinking that I can take over your work, thinking that I can do it. Life circumstances, failures, disappointments, sufferings, discouragement, interpreted through our finite minds can totally rob us of our innocence. Trust and dependency can even make us cynical. But when we have a revelation that we have a God, and that we can see God. Our eyes are on him. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they see God. Heart purity is seeing God in everything. That God is working all things together for good as he interprets good. Not as I interpret good, as he interprets good. Amen. In one of our PowerPoints, Jesus said, you know how the disciples, they, they, they tried so desperate and tried to stop the children coming. Go away, go away, kids, go away, kids, go away, kids. And Jesus said in that verse, he says, suffer the little children to come unto me for as such is the kingdom of heaven. I love the passion version of that. It says, let them come for they demonstrate to you what faith is all about. Learn this well. Unless you receive a revelation of the kingdom realm the same way that a child receives it, you will never enter in. And how profoundly it goes on in Matthew 18, 4, whoever humbled himself as a little child will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's not the people that's going to come with their big armful of videos and types and all the books they've written. It's going to be whoever humbles themselves in the kingdom of God become as a little child. A.W. Tozer says this, we are in an age of religious complexities. The simplicity which is in Christ is rarely found amongst us. Now, the next part that I'm doing, I want you to develop these yourself. I'm just going to run them out to you as they apply to you. And I want to run them out to you. And we're going to go through them just quickly together, and I want you to look at them. There's a message almost in every one of them, but become as a little child, except you become as a little child. 
What is it actually saying? What is it actually looking at? And so you will have them on the PowerPoint so you can do that and you can develop those yourself. But in, in the first thing, and my observation in the child is that a child has total innocence. There's no guile. There's no pretense. There's no personal agenda. There's not what I can get out of it. They are just completely innocent. So beautiful. Our, one of our little grandsons and a little, little kid, and we have moved and downsized into a small, uh, a small, much smaller apartment. And, and so he's telling people, and he's so cute, and he's telling people, I don't like where grandma has gone. I don't like where they have moved to. And this is how he goes. He says, because he says, well, what's the problem with the apartment? He says, because it is too small. It's just too small. Because we have downsized and the room that he would normally play in is too small. And here he is and he's total innocence. It's just too small. I, 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 we, we have innocence. It's so beautiful. I watch the kids and I think how beautiful they are, how innocent they are. They're too small. Number two, they haven't yet got filled up with wrong theology. They just go with the heart and not the head. They go with the heart to the, they go with the, heart to the parents, to the place of supply, to whatever it is they need. They just don't get themselves bogged down by the things in the head. They just go from the heart. And I tell you, it's from the heart that we approach him. From the heart that we come to Jesus. Amen. They are totally, you're, you're going with me, aren't you? Yes. They are totally dependent on their parents. In a world of independence, wholeness is only found independence. Do you know, one of the most important things about being a little child is not thinking you know, not thinking you can do it, not thinking you have the answers, not thinking you're spiritually mature, not thinking you're so wonderful. No, it's our complete and absolutely dependence upon Jesus. All that Jesus ever did, he never did. He said, it's the Father in me that does the work. I'm completely dependent on him. I'm totally and absolutely dependent on him. Jesus was dependent on his Father. One of the most beautiful things about being a little child is like we started at the beginning. I, I, I don't know, but I'm dependent on you who knows everything. You have all that. You are the answer. You have all the answers. You have everything that I need. All I need to do is come snuggle up to you. I need to just spend more time snuggling and getting into your presence because I'm utterly dependent on you because I know that in you I live and move and have my being and without you I can do nothing. Really? I thought I could do a lot. I can do nothing. Oh boy. They have no past. Children have no past. Do you know it's a horrible thing when you look over your life? You know, someone has said that childhood was a struggle. Manhood had regrets. How we can live so easily with so many things. Everybody in this room, we have a past. 
Isn't it so wonderful this morning for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us and brings us back into his presence and that we can come in regardless of what's going on because you have a past and you can reflect on your past and beat yourself up on the past and the enemy only comes. You know that the enemy always comes to you from your past. The enemy always points to you to the past, but God always points you to the cross. It's settled. The sacrifice is complete. Amen. And now I am praising God this morning. There is no past. It's cleansed. It's wiped. The mistakes, the failures, the stuff-ups, all the things that's gone on. When you recognize that, you are free to live in the present. You're free to live for the future. Amen. Please, don't let the devil cause you to hang on to the past to neutralize your joy, neutralize your happiness, neutralize your effectiveness, neutralize your entrance to the kingdom of God and coming into his presence. All you got to do, remember, what are you doing here? I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. There's no past. Oh boy, when I work with people, boy, the people that's troubled for their past, things that's gone on, the horrible, terrible things, and to be able to do that. Therefore, because they have no past, they live in the moment. Do you know one of the most important and vital teachings, and Pastor D has been teaching this herself a lot into a whole lot of the groups that she's been talking with, and it's such an incredible, powerful principle that we are only called to live in the moment. We live, we are only moment people. Yesterday has gone. And remember, there is no grace for yesterday. The enemy will let you and try to get you to go into yesterday and into yesterday's regrets and yesterday's guilt and yesterday's issues and yesterday's problems and take you into yesterday. Do you know that why we struggle is because yesterday there is no grace. God does not promise grace for yesterday. He does not promise or we go into the future. And that's what the next one that's going to come up in a moment is because at that point there is no there is no if only, if only I hadn't done that, if only I hadn't gone that way, if only I hadn't made that mistake, if only I hadn't lived like that, if only I hadn't done that thing. No, you know what? There is no grace for if only. Yesterday's gone. There's nothing you can do about it except that God has redeemed it for your future. Amen. And then others will go into the future. And, but what if? What if the economy goes? What if this happens? What if the world breaks into war? What if? What if? And there's no answers to any of it. All I have to do is to live in the moment. Children are in the moment. Johnny, dinner's ready. Johnny, dinner's ready. They don't hear you at all. They have locked into the moment. They have just locked into the moment. They're in their little fantasy world. They're in little dream world and they stay in the moment. Suffer the little children to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. They live in the moment. Do you know there is no grace for the future for the what ifs? But God gives all the grace you need for this moment. This moment, God is good. This moment, God is on the throne. This moment, God is in control. This moment, God is ministering to our life. This is the moment. This is the time to rejoice and to praise God in this moment. Amen. 
suffer the little children. Stay in the moment. It's such an incredible and divine principle. They have not developed any worldly knowledge. They have not learned yet how to keep asking. They have not yet learned how to think about different things. They're just simple. It's just easy. Life is so good. And then we start teaching them. And then we finish up into all of these other problems and all these difficulties. They have developed worldly. Therefore, because they have not developed worldly knowledge, they're not racist. Color and creed makes no difference. They are totally accepting and they do not judge or criticize. And they have not yet learned to worry. You worry because you grew up. But as a little child, you don't worry. Praise God this morning, if we stay as little children, there's no need to worry. Our Father is still in charge and still on the throne. Amen. Worry is the third greatest destroyer to mental and emotional health. And you worry because you know. If you didn't know, you wouldn't worry. But now I can let go of my worries let them go to Jesus and live in this glorious, wonderful moment. Amen. They are not shocked or surprised when they stumble or fall. Oh, we are, but they're not, you see. No self-analysis of wise. There's no condemnation. There's no destructive guilt. They're not discouraged, but only a healthy observation of the landscape. They bounce back quickly from fall, injury or hurt running into the arms of their father and mother. Run into Jesus. Run into the Father. You fall over. Listen, may I say this to you today? If you fall, fall forward. If you fall, fall forward. The enemy wants you to fall back. Fall forward. Fall into his arms. Fall into his healing arms. Fall into his goodness. Fall into his love. It's not about whether you fall, it's about the direction you fall. Fall forward. Let me finish by just saying this. A little child smiles 300 times in the day. But somebody that has reached their 60s smile three times a day. What happened between three and 60? The world will try to take the smile of your face and the joy from your heart. Knowledge can rob you of that glorious innocence, but you can have a smile in your face, regardless of your age, regardless of the journey, regardless of what's gone on, regardless of disillusionment, regardless of things you don't understand, regardless of anything, I can smile because Jesus has given me a smile. He puts a smile in my face, amen. And so lastly, in that, Smile like a little child 300 times in the day. It'll do you the world of good. So how are we doing? Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. That clock has beaten me. Have you been blessed this morning? I hand over to the musicians. Thank you very, very much for being patient. Go for Ben. Bless you, brother. Thanks for joining us today. Find more resources and discover what's next for you at edgechurch.com.